Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In today's episode I chat to Laura about the births of her two children Esther and Teddy. Laura birthed Esther in hospital as part of the group midwifery program. She was diagnosed with gestational diabetes and then she went on to have an induced vaginal birth. When she fell pregnant with Teddy, she decided to have a home birth, but it was identified at Teddy's 20-week scan that there was an irregularity with his digestive system, but she was still able to go ahead with her home birth as planned and had a beautiful experience. Teddy had surgery on his intestines at three days old, so Laura describes what it was like to realize that there was something not quite right with him when she was at home and then and then her experience of having a baby in the NICU. Every week the episodes seem to be getting longer and longer, but I didn't want to leave any parts of this story out, so I really hope you enjoy it and, um, yeah, stick with it and, yeah, look forward to getting another episode to you next week. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Laura. I have a five-year-old, well, she's not quite five, almost five-year-old Esther and a two-and-a-half-year-old Theodore, but we call him Teddy, and my husband Michael. We live in Melbourne. Um, we homeschool, and I am a postpartum doula. Oh, beautiful. Were you, have you become a doula since having children, or was that something you were already working as? Yeah, I did. I did my training last year. Still fairly new, but enjoying it. Yeah, amazing. So maybe just going back to the beginning a little bit, did you and Michael plan to have children or how did how did you come to start a family? Well, it's kind of funny. Um, I think we always knew that we wanted to have kids, like talked about it fairly early on in our relationship, but it was always kind of, oh, that's a thing in the future that we'll look at way down the track. Uh, and then we got married and then... And we got married pretty young and then like not even a year into it, we kind of were having a discussion. We're like, yeah, I think we'll just wait maybe, you know, at least two more years and then we'll look at having a baby. And then like two weeks later found out we were pregnant. So it didn't really <laughs> um, follow our schedule, <laughs> but uh, we did definitely want to have kids. So, and it all worked out. <laughs> how, how were you guys feeling when you first found out if it's a was it a bit of a shock or were you happy straight away? Or I think that, um, like, I had started to feel like a bit of a desire to become a mum before it happened. But, like, I was only 22 when I got pregnant with my first. So it was very, like, just it was just earlier than I anticipated but was definitely um, excited. We've always kind of joked that she came in her timing, not in ours. So she just knew that it was the time for her to come and decided to do that and <laughs> we've been <laughs> along for the ride. Yeah, beautiful. And, yeah, how were you feeling throughout your early pregnancy? Did you have any symptoms come up or morning sickness or anything like that? Yeah, I've had super severe morning sickness, um, well, all day, all pregnancy sickness with her. So that wasn't very fun. Um, lots and lots of nausea and vomiting and 
I don't think I lost like 10 kilos or something in my first trimester. Like I was really unwell and yeah, vomited up until uh, like a couple of days before she was born. <laughs> well, that would have been exhausting too. I mean, it's already tiring growing a baby, but being that sick on top of it. Totally. So it was, it was really intense. Welcome hmm. to motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're a doula now, but did you have, before falling pregnant, did you have much of an idea of what sort of birth you wanted or um, who you'd like in your birth team? Not at all. Um, I didn't, like, have any friends that had had babies um, or anything really. Uh, but my husband is, like, the youngest of seven kids and his uh, siblings had all had kids before. So I think, like, my one of my sister-in-laws said, hey, you should look into the midwifery group practice at the hospital because then you'll get your own midwife. And so, like, super early on, I just called up and said, like, hey, can I get on the list to um, get into that program? So I did that, but I really had no idea. I kind of did a little bit of research into, like, oh, would I want to do your home birth? Um, there was only one home birth midwife in the town that we lived back then and um, I kind of looked into it and just thought oh no that's too scary I just like it felt beyond my capacity and so yeah we went with the uh, midwifery group practice but I don't think there were even any doulas where we lived and I'd never heard of them so it was pretty like unsupported I think especially during the pregnancy because we just really didn't know (laughs) Mm. Yeah, and with the hospitals, you don't start seeing the midwives, you know, regularly until quite, you know, quite further on past that first trimester. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. And did you, did the hospital offer any kind of birth education or did you do any independent birth education to prepare yourself at all? Yeah, we did the hospital birth education course. It was just like, I think, a few weeks, like on a Wednesday night or something. So it was very basic and there was a lot of, um, you know, all of the pain management that will be available to us and that sort of thing. Um, But I did a little bit of reading into stuff myself. Um, So I think that was a good source of education and what I drew from more than I did the hospital education course. And did you have an idea of, of kind of things that you did or didn't want or were you really just sort of leaving it in their hands and taking the advice of the midwives? I really wanted a water birth, but I was pretty open to how we got there. Yeah, I think that having a water birth was like the thing that I cared about the most. I kind of went into it very like, well, there's a baby in me now and it needs to get out somehow. <laughs> yeah. Like but but like not in a fearful way, just in like a, it has to happen, so we're gonna we're gonna work it out. Um but I wasn't really uh, like I wasn't super set on the idea of it all has to be totally natural or anything like that at that point. I think I liked the idea of it being natural but was sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing, let's just see how it goes. And, yeah, I guess heading into sort of the end of your pregnancy, how were you feeling then and what were some of the – how did your labour begin? Yeah, so I actually – so I went to um, 40 plus 5 and – I had been given a gestational diabetes diagnosis um, because I had one point over on my GTP test 
And even though I wasn't on insulin and I literally never had any high blood sugar readings, um, in, so I was testing for, I don't know, must have been like 10 weeks or something, and I wasn't getting any high blood sugar readings. But um, when I had gone over my due date, the, there was an obstetrician that saw me and um, they were like, you know, you have gestational diabetes, so you're really high rates of having a stillbirth, so we better get this moving. Um, and so I consented to a stretch and sweep, which was kind of awful. Um, and then like a couple of days later, still nothing had happened. And I just was so fearful because they told me, well, you might have a dead baby. Um, so I consented to having an induction. I went into the hospital, it was like, I want to say like a Wednesday night at like seven o'clock and I got gels put in um, and then they just sort of were like, oh, okay, we'll just leave you. Your husband can go home. Um, you probably won't feel anything tonight. If you feel anything, it will be like just really light period pain. So I was like, okay. Um, but I wanted my husband to stay as long as he possibly could. So I just kept saying to him, please don't leave, please don't leave. Um, and then at like 11, 11.30, the nurses started to come in and say, like, your husband has to leave now. He's not allowed to stay. And I was saying, well, I'm having like period like cramps, something's happening. And they're just like, no, nothing's going on. It's fine. You're not going to, we're going to give you the drip in the morning and then you'll go into labor. And I started saying, well, it feels like more than just like a little period pain. Like I'm pretty sure something's happening. So they kind of let, left me alone a little bit um, but would come back every now and then be like, your husband really needs to leave. <laughs> um, and then I think it was around like 12, 12.30 and I was saying, this is more than period pain. I need to do something. And the midwife didn't believe me. She was just like, yeah, whatever, there's nothing going on. But if you really want, you can go and hop in the shower. I love how they're more focused on getting rid of your husband than you actually giving birth. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, what the heck? And, like, he hadn't had dinner or anything because it was, like, you know, in the evening when we went and um, he, he hadn't eaten and he was, like, I didn't want him to leave because they wouldn't let him come back in. So he didn't get, like, anything to eat that night at all, poor guy. But, yeah, so I hopped in the shower and, like, was just, like, having, like, pretty intense contractions. Like, this was probably, like, I don't know, maybe 1.30 in the morning by then. And, um, and I was happy in there for quite a while. But, and the, like, midwife didn't really even come in and check on us very much or was just not concerned because I guess she didn't really think I was in labour. And after a while, I guess I just wasn't, I didn't want the water on me anymore. And, oh, I asked if I could go into the bath instead, but it was in a different room because I was just on the ward, um, not in a birth suite. It took them a while, like they were not that keen to put me into the birth suite and they didn't let us take any of our things into the birth suite because we were definitely going back to the ward because I was definitely not in labour. Wow. And did they, did they want to do any 
like checks of your cervix to see whether anything was happening or did they just how were they making that assessment that nothing was happening no I didn't have so I had it like they checked when they administered the gels but I didn't have another vaginal exam (laughs) until after so when I was in the bath I like vomited so I was probably in transition uh and I was I felt like I needed to wee but I couldn't wee and so I said to the midwife, like, I really feel like I need to wee, but nothing's coming out. And so she's like, okay, well, we'll just put you on the bed and we'll we'll check and make sure everything's okay. And she gave me a vaginal exam and she was like, oh, my God, you're like nine centimetres dilated um, and, and like pressed the emergency button and left the room. And we were like, what's going on? Because she's all of a sudden said, you're about to have this baby and then left. And my husband's like, what do I do? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then I was, then I ended up on the bed and I was like nine centimetres dilated, almost ready to start pushing. And I, because I had been a part of this midwifery group practice, they were supposed to call my midwife, but we were only dealing with the hospital, like ward midwives at that point. And um, so they called, but they didn't call the midwife that I'd been seeing. They called somebody else in the group practice. So they ended up showing up shortly after that. Um, But, yeah, my midwife never was called. Oh, that's such a shame. Had you sort of built up a bit of a relationship with her through the pregnancy? Yeah, totally. She was really great. So that was really disappointing. and I think it, like, didn't really help things that I was in a room full of strangers and kind of got stuck on the bed when I wanted to be in the bath because at that point I just couldn't walk back to the bathroom from the bed. Like, it was probably, I don't know, 12 steps or something. But I just couldn't get up because the baby was right there. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> so, and then everybody, I guess, did the, an obstetrician or midwives come back into the room after that and how did things progress from there? It would have been like maybe 4.30 in the morning and the, they, the, the obstetrician wasn't there at that point. Um, so they were going to call them if they needed to. Um, so, like, I was on the bed and... I, they, they started telling me that it was time to push and so I started trying to push. Um, on It was kind of on my side with my leg up and my husband held my leg up for like an hour. <laughs> were, you, were you feeling the urge to push or were they just I instructing wasn't. you? No, yeah, was, okay. they were just instructing me. Um, so in hindsight I'm like I probably just wasn't quite ready to start pushing. And they they kind of also tried to get me up a bit, but I just couldn't. Like once they put me in that position on my back to do the vaginal exam, that's so like far progressed. It was really hard for me to then move into other positions and be like to get comfortable. Um, so and then she was she kind of like kept moving back up and then down and then up and then down mm. in um, my pelvis. What was the sensation like of, of pushing without the urge? Like did you find it difficult to know what to do? Yeah, it was really hard. And just like a lot of it just like there was pressure there, but I didn't feel like like I didn't feel like an urge to push, but 
there was pressure and so I was just pushing into that as I was told to. Mm. Um, like I, it wasn't pain, like it wasn't painful. It was just really, really tiring, just like mm. a lot of exertion. Um, so I ended up pushing for over two hours. They were like starting to say, okay, well, we need to call the obstetrician in now because this baby needs help coming out. And I was just like, no, 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 I just want to, I just want to give birth. Like I don't, and I really, really didn't want an episiotomy. That was like one of the biggest things that I was really against having. And so they kept saying, you know, the, the doctor's going to have to come and we can, they can get forceps and they can get this and they can get that. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that. And so I eventually well, I don't really remember consenting to it, but my husband says that I did to getting an episiotomy and then shortly after my daughter was born, um, fairly easily after that. But, yeah, it was just not fun that I was kind of saying, like, no, I don't want that, and then it still happened. Yeah, it's really tricky that, isn't it? And it's sort of, yeah, tricky to tell when is it actually consent when in that state that you're in um not just yeah not just the pressure from a whole lot of people you know in a position of authority but also just being in a really vulnerable confused state and being in pain it's yeah it's hard to know I can see how it would feel like maybe you didn't give consent but in the moment that was what came out of your mouth or yeah I guess like I wanted my baby out and I wanted them to um, be healthy and I didn't want like I didn't want to have forceps and all of those sorts of things because I guess I didn't really think that that was needed like I could could feel that she was coming but you know I don't know like now I know I've done a lot of research into birth and have and like have really educated myself but back then I just did, really didn't know so in hindsight I can be like well if I didn't do this or if we didn't do this or if they didn't do this it would have been much easier birth, but, you know, it happens how it happens and you learn from it. I definitely don't think it helped that for, like, the majority of my labour I was being told that I wasn't in labour. Yeah, definitely. I was sort of wondering how, like, emotionally, how were you feeling during that time? Like, were you really sure that you are in labour and that your baby was coming or were you a bit confused by what you'd been told? I was totally confused because I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, if this has to go on for another day, how am I going to survive? And it wasn't that it was painful. It was just so intense. Like it was just so, so intense. For me, my labour pains like go down my legs or the contractions. So my leg muscles also contracted and it was like all in the front and down my legs. Um, so it was just so intense because I could feel it in my whole body. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I just remember being like, oh, my gosh, am I going to have to just do this for hours and hours and hours? Yeah, or if this isn't labour, oh, my God, what's labour going to feel like? that's right. Oh, oh my God. So she she ended up, so she was born at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. So I was in labour from about, like, active labour from about 1.30 in the morning till 7. So it was quite quick. Reasonably quick, yeah, for a first. Mm. And um, obviously, like... Well, we kind of think that it was probably like my body was pretty ready at that point because they didn't think that the gel was going to help um, put me into labour, but it did. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was my first experience. 
And did you know that Esther was a girl? I did. I was pretty sure from before she was, like, like even conceived. I was like, I'm just going to have a girl and this is what her name is going to be. Did you confirm that with a scan or a blood test in pregnancy or were you just? Yeah, I had, um, we found out at like 18 weeks, I think. And, um, yeah, just briefly, how was how was the first few hours and first few days with her and um, did you breastfeed her? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I was in a lot of pain after the episiotomy. It was, yeah, it was really awful. I couldn't really sit up very well. Um, but I had a beautiful midwife in the hospital who taught me how to breastfeed lying down, which was a lifesaver. I ended up staying in the hospital for three nights, I think, afterwards. I don't really know why now, <laughs> but uh, at the time that was what seemed like the best thing. And, yeah, I had to get my stitches re-stitched because they came undone. Oh. So that was pretty awful. I think that was a week later. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a bit of a botched job, uh, if I'm honest, and it caused me a lot of pain for like many like months afterwards. But I mean, it's it's okay now. <laughs> but, yeah, but not not a lot of fun. So that was um, the the biggest thing I think. Uh, breastfeeding came pretty like easily. I mean, there was a bit of pain to begin with. Um, so I feel like I kind of had to. Like the first couple of weeks, it was really like, oh, my gosh, this hurts. This is uncomfortable. Um, But once we got past that, I really enjoyed breastfeeding. Oh, beautiful. How long did you feed her for? I fed her um, for 20 months. So she self-weaned when I was 20 weeks pregnant with my son. Yeah, and then going on from that birth, how were you you feeling after that birth and, and when you found out that you were pregnant again? Yeah, I guess what sort of anticipation did you have for another birth or changed feelings? Yeah, so um, for quite a while I was like, I don't know if I want to do that again. I think it was mostly the pregnancy part because it was just really super intense. And even though part of me was like, there's part of me that was like, I want like all the babies. And then there's another part of me that thought, oh, I don't think I want to do that again. Um, but when she was about one, I started thinking, oh, yeah, like I, I, I could do another baby. But we actually um, moved overseas for a while and we're working with a charity overseas and our life was just a bit crazy. Uh, and in the midst of all that, we um, decided that it was a good time to try for a second baby. Um, so... <laughs> It was a bit of a wild time. Uh, now I'm just like, why did we think that was a good idea? I don't know. So that was a bit more like mindfully conceived, actually tried that time um, and got pregnant like I think it was the second cycle of us trying and we were living in Canada in like the share house and our life was just really chaotic at that point. So getting pregnant, um, it kind of uh, made us think, okay, what are we actually doing? What do we want? And so we decided to come back to Australia, but we didn't know where we were going. Like we didn't have jobs. We didn't have, we just had no idea what we were doing. And so we went back to my like uh, in-laws in the town that we had been living before we went overseas. And so I started 
to contact the midwife that I'd had in my first pregnancy to potentially have her again. But I was also just not sure. Like I didn't want to do the gestational diabetes test again because I felt like that was really inaccurate and that it like kind of sabotaged my pregnancy and birth a bit, even though there wasn't a real issue there. And just started really questioning a lot of things about the system and um, like the medical system and how it works and that sort of thing. So I was just sort of not really sure. Um, my husband started applying for heaps of jobs and we just sort of were open to go anywhere in Australia. We needed, we wanted a fresh start. So he ended up getting a job in Melbourne. And when we came to Melbourne, I just researched um, home birth midwives and we met, went and met with one and we signed up with them and yeah. And were you having the same, yeah, were you having the same morning sickness again? Yeah, uh, yeah, not as bad, but so I didn't, I actually was kind of in denial that I was pregnant to begin with um, in his pregnancy. So I like didn't do a test or anything. And then at about like six weeks, I was starting to vomit. <laughs> and my housemate was like, you do realise that you're pregnant, right? I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe, could be. Like I was just so blasé about it. I don't know why. Um, and so I did do a test, but I really already knew because I was vomiting every day. And then I was really, really sick until, I don't know, maybe 17 weeks. And so we actually moved back to Australia at, at 11 weeks. So I was like extremely, extremely sick. Oh, that would have been so hard. Like, like four flights and I was like vomiting into the paper bag. Like it was just so awful. And people kept giving me the dirtiest looks because I kept being sick and I, it was just so bad. But oh. we got through it. And with we a toddler. I know, yeah. She was like uh, 18 months. <laughs> oh, my God, that sounds so hectic. <laughs> it was a really, really crazy time. I, as I said, I'm like, why did we think that was a good idea? I just don't know. So once you'd yeah. got back, so once you'd moved to Melbourne and chosen your midwives, um, what did your care look like with them? Did they have like a clinic or did they come and have appointments at your home? Yeah, the midwives that I went with had their own clinic, so we uh, went to appointments with them. But I should backtrack a little bit. When we came back to Australia, I did go in and get a scan. So that was at 11 weeks because I just wasn't totally sure how far along I was. I mean, I could have worked it out, I guess, but I just wasn't totally sure. So we wanted to have the pregnancy confirmed and all of that. Uh, so I had a scan then and I ended up seeing a couple of different doctors while we were, so we were in like regional New South Wales at that point. And when I went back after the 11-week scan to see the doctor and talk to them, um, she was like, well, you're 14 weeks. I'd had the scan at like 11 weeks and then I went back to the doctor at 14 weeks. And she was like, well, you're 14 weeks. You need to go and get your 12-week scan. And I said, no, I had a scan at 11 weeks. And she's like, no, but you didn't get all of the, the testing done. And I said, I don't want to get it done. And so the doctor called the lab and booked me in and told me I had to go. So I went and I just felt really, like, upset about that because I said I said no, like, and said I've just had a scan. I'm confident that things are okay. We don't need to have that. 
and then felt really forced into it. Was quite upset about that. Anyway, so mm. I had another scan at 14 weeks and then we also opted for the 20-week scan. That was also done while we were still in New South Wales. Uh, and at the 20-week scan, the um, ultrasound technician said, oh, there's, there's something funny here. Um, there might there might be something up with the baby's heart. And I thought, okay, what did, okay, what's that? What does that mean? And they just didn't really say anything about what it was. I mean, at the time I didn't realise that they weren't allowed to say anything without a doctor present, um, but we were just really confused. So I was like, okay, well, you're saying that there's something wrong but you're not telling us what's going on. So we left and I was just like, I don't understand, something's wrong. And I contacted my midwife and it took me days to get onto her for some reason, um, the, the MGP program midwife, and I could, just couldn't get onto her. And in it was like a couple of days after we'd had that scan, we were travelling to Melbourne because we're trying to like set up a house and, um, yeah, find a house and all that sort of stuff. And we had the appointment with the home birth midwives on that trip. So we hadn't actually moved, moved yet. And so we told the home birth midwife that when we went in for a scan, they said that there was something not right with the baby's heart. So the home birth midwife ended up calling the scanning place in New South Wales to try and get more information for us. And they told her what the actual issue was, which is crazy because we're wow. like, how did they even know that she was really a midwife? And like anybody could have called and and they yeah, that's pretty unprofessional. I know. I just and they wouldn't tell us, but they would tell her. Um, so it turned out that in the twenty week scan, they had picked up that in the digest intestinal tract or digestive system there was an extra loop um so there was like a like a pocket that they couldn't account for basically there was they didn't know what it was um so they organized for us in new south wales because we'd driven back to new south wales it was like a 10-hour drive back on wow. so it was just a really crazy time um we'd but they'd organized a specialist um, from Canberra to meet us in New South Wales to get, you know, specialised things. And I started doing some research into what it could possibly be. And because um, they said cyst and, um, oh, but they didn't, they told us it was a cyst in the ad, abdomen, sorry. They didn't say that it was specifically in the digestive tract at that point. And so I'm doing this research and thinking, is an ovarian cyst? Because we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And so we went into this appointment and they said, do you, like, do you know what you're having? And I said, no, we don't want to know. Um, and they said, do you know what's going on? And I said, well, we've been told that there's a cyst. Is it, an, is it an ovarian cyst? And the doctor said, no, it can't be an ovarian cyst because you're not having a girl. <laughs> Why did you need to say that? Couldn't you just say what it actually was? So, yeah, so it ended up being in the digestive tract. The, the doctor told us that we should have weekly scans to keep track of the progress. And I just said, no, I was like, no way. Why would we have weekly scans? That's not going to really tell us anything. And we talked to our home birth midwife about that 
and she was comfortable for us to not do that. Um, so our compromise was that at 36 weeks, I would go and get scanned so that we could see the progress. Like if the if the cyst had grown, if um, so the concern I guess w- with having a cyst in the baby is that that it could grow so big that the abdomen would be distended and therefore a vaginal birth wouldn't have been safe. Okay, yeah. That's kind of the risk or that they're evaluating. And did your was your home birth midwife still comfortable for you to birth at home? So it was quite a process, to be honest. Um, the home birth midwives that we used also work in conjunction with a hospital. So they have um, like a is it admission rights or whatever, when they can go yeah. in and they can support women in the hospital as midwives. Yeah. So they, they have that. So they were kind of trying to talk us into birthing in the hospital, but I was really adamant that I didn't want that. So we we jumped through all the hoops. Um, we went and had a scan at a specialist clinic in Melbourne at, yeah, it was like 36 weeks and they um, had concluded that the cyst had grown, but it hadn't grown to an extent that was concerning. We also had a backup um, hospital booking at our closest hospital, and I went to an appointment there and had another scan, which told us exactly the same thing, uh, and talked to an obstetrician, and they were like, oh, so you're just going to birth here now? I was like, no, we're going to birth at home and this is our backup booking. And um, so they were supposed to organise an appointment with us with a paediatric surgeon and a paediatrician so we could work out, like, what we were going to do after birth because we knew that the baby would need to be looked at. Um, So we finally saw... I'm trying to remember that. No, that was a paediatrician at the hospital that we ended up seeing and they knew that we were home birthing and they were comfortable with that, the obstetrician was. Um, so they said, yep, that's fine. We're going to book, we're going to have it your, like it all in your file that three days, within three days of birth, we were going to take the baby in um, to be assessed the size of the cyst, they were like, look, it shouldn't be an issue. It's going to have to be removed at some point, but it probably won't need to happen until a year or two down the track after the baby's born. That's what we were being told at like that 36, 37-week mark. So at that point they didn't have any sort of major concerns about immediately after birth how he was, how he would be able to function? Not at all. Yeah, there was. they yeah. didn't have any worries about that. I also spoke to um, the paediatric surgeon who worked both in the our closest hospital and with the children's hospital, and I spoke with him personally about the situation, and he was the one that said, look, I don't think it's going to need to be removed until at least a year down the track. And he also knew that we were planning to home birth and was happy with that because I guess to the, the paediatrician's Uh, and the paediatric surgeon, to them, uh, if a vaginal birth is safe, it's safe to happen at home. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, which I'm really thankful for. (laughs) 
that that was the conclusion that was that was um, made because I did become start becoming quite fearful um, yeah about birthing in the hospital at that point mm. and had you done during that pregnancy had you done any kind of extra education or made any um, other decisions about who was going to be in your birth team or what what you wanted the birth to look like yeah so I had done with our midwives they had an evening class for people who had previously had children so we went to that which was really good I also hired a doula later in the pregnancy I can't remember I don't remember exactly when but I so I had a few um appointments with her during the pregnancy uh but when we started really talking with the midwives about what was going to happen for the birth we realized that we were going to have two midwives and a student midwife come for our birth and so I just thought well I don't really think that we need an extra person at that point um so yeah we had the the two midwives a student midwife my husband and my daughter and I really really wanted my daughter to be there that was really important to me um but we did have the doula um like lined up as backup if if I was transferred to the hospital or something like that that she could come and be with my daughter mm-hmm. is kind of what we decided to organize and was she going to offer some some care after the baby was born as well yeah so um she ended up doing a bit of postnatal postnatal care yeah lovely so we did try and have a kind of plans but it was <laughs> yeah a lot of yeah. changes through oh, the pregnancy it was, yeah it was really crazy um and after the after we had initially found out that there was something wrong with the baby. I just found it really, really difficult to cope. And we've gone through such a turbulent time anyway, was just really not coping very well. So the like last half of my pregnancy was also dealing quite badly with depression and was finding it hard being pregnant with a toddler. So it was a really hard time actually. Yeah. Did you get a diagnosis of antenatal depression or was it just that was just how you were sort of feeling and now that you can look back on it? Feeling. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. I didn't really seek out help at that point. Yeah. I can be a little bit um hesitant to not to seek help but to like I'm not really into medicalizing everything. So in the past have had um issues with anxiety and depression and have dealt with it naturally and that's been fine. Um so yeah, it was just I didn't I guess I was also worried about how that would affect, you know, like will I not be allowed to home birth because they say that I'm not stable or something. And I mean it wasn't that bad, but um yeah, I definitely had concerns about that. Mm. There was a lot of like will I be allowed to do this? Will I be allowed to do that? And I felt like I really had to jump through a lot of hoops um to get what I wanted and felt like was best. And I was pretty concerned about the birth being fast because my daughter was born in, what, like five and a half hours or six hours or something. Um, I was, yeah, concerned that this second labour was going to go really quickly and what happens if there's, like, if nobody makes it in time and how would I possibly get to the hospital in time and all of those sorts of things were also concerns. Um which I think was a huge reason as to why I decided to home birth in the first place because I was like, I don't want to have to 
travel to the hospital while I'm deep in labour land. And then, yeah, maybe just going into his birth, um, what were some of the early signs as he went into labour with him? So I'd had a little bit of labour, well, not labour, but contractions um, on and off for a few weeks before. So I think at like 37 weeks, I had one day where I was contracting, called my husband, I'm like, it's it, it's happening, (laughs) we need to blow up the pool, like everything's going. And then it just totally fizzled out. Um, So it kind of surprised me. And then, yeah, it was just having random contractions here and then. And um, at 40 weeks, I actually dislocated my kneecap. Oh, no. My daughter into bed. (laughs) Extreme activity, that one. (laughs) I know, I know. It was the second time that I've done it and both were like the most boring reasons but anyway um so so then I was worried about how am I going to be able to birth with a bum knee can I still kneel which I couldn't um so that was fun uh and there was yeah I don't know it was crazy time as well uh I think it was like the day after my due date I drove like an hour away from where we lived with my daughter because I just wanted to go op shopping (laughs) like I just had had to go op shopping at this particular place and went for this long drive. And then when we came home, I was like, why did I do that? Like, I could have had a baby. So, yeah, it was just crazy. And then I didn't really feel a lot. It was kind of going to bed every night being like, is tonight going to be the night? I just kind of felt, I guess because my first labour had happened overnight, I kind of thought it would happen overnight again. And so every night it would be like, is tonight going to be the night? And then I wake up in the morning like, oh, it didn't happen. Is tonight going to be the night? Uh, And then so 40 plus 3, that night I went to bed and I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and was like, there is something going on. (laughs) Like I felt kind of sick and just felt totally off went to the bathroom and just like totally emptied my bowels and was like something's going on here uh and like basically as soon as I'd finished on the loo was contracting really hard and I got myself into the shower and I just sat in the shower for a while and I because I dislocated my knee I'd got myself sitting down in the shower but I couldn't get myself back up standing at you know 40 plus 4 at that point and with a dislocated well it wasn't dislocated but it was very sore after having been dislocated Mm. Um, so I was banging on the wall of our ensuite to try and wake up my husband so he could help me out of the shower (laughs) and which eventually worked but worked but it also woke up our at the time two rolls uh yeah (laughs) and was it uh, 2.30 in the morning yeah uh, it would have been after that it would have been would have been probably 3.30 I think because I yeah I got up at 2 2.30 and then I spent quite a bit of time in the shower just laboring by myself and so he helped me out of the shower and he's like do you think we should call the midwives so I was like no it's fine I'm contracting like every I don't know 10 minutes it's it's not that big a deal and then within the next 10 minutes, I had three big contractions. 
And he was like, no, I'm going to call the midwives now. Because <laughs> I was just really like, oh, it's fine. And did you get your daughter back to sleep? No. No. Oh. No. Um, so she ended up, we, we kind of all moved downstairs because we lived in a two-story place, um, uh, downstairs to where, like, the main living space was. And we started getting the pool set up and I walked up and down the stairs a couple of times because I'd heard that that can help. Then I just sat on a exercise ball with a heat pack and just laboured there for a while. And then my the midwives took probably like 45 minutes to show up. So they would have got there at about quarter past four. We filled up the pool and while they were filling up the pool, I was just leaning over the kitchen bench and, like, riding through the waves. And I don't know, it was pretty peaceful, to be honest with you. Like, I could feel it and it was intense, but I really wasn't worried. I was just sort of like, yep, this is what's happening. It's all good. Then I, I hopped in, in the bath, in the pool, the birth pool, sorry, that was in our, like, lounge dining area. And I hopped in and I just started feeling so much pressure. And I was saying to the midwives, like, there is a lot of pressure down there. And they're like, yeah, there's a baby coming. <laughs> but I think I was really surprised because I kind of started getting to that urge to push. And I was like, this is way too early to push because it didn't feel like I'd been in labour very long. And, like, I hadn't been in labour very long, but it just felt too early. But my body was starting to do it. So I kind of, like, was sitting back a bit in the birth pool yes I started to push and it took a little while the midwives did start to try and get like the baby's heart tone were they just using a doppler while you're in the pool yeah yeah while I was in the pool and I I guess they were finding it hard to get a reading at that point because when the baby's so low there's a lot going on down there and you can't really get a good reading especially in that position. So she's sort of like, okay, well, maybe we should just hurry it up a little bit. So they started, like, kind of coaching me to push. But I was still really, like, just very chill and just sort of like, okay, yep, it's coming, it's good, like, breathing through it and wasn't as um, worried, not worried, but, like, it wasn't as urgent to me. I was just sort of like, it's happening, it's good. Uh, and my daughter was at the side of the birth pool and she's saying do a big push mum do a big push <laughs> it was so cute um, we had a video of that which was really cool uh so then my water broke while I was kind of pushing uh and they we noticed that there was some um mech in the water meconium in the water weren't really concerned about it at that point uh, and he came, so it was like my waters broke and then his head came, like pretty much straight away. And then um, his face, he was actually face up, so he must have been posterior. And, yeah, so the student midwife helped to, like, guide him up onto my chest. And I think I was in shock because it all happened so fast. So he uh, was born at 5 a.m., so just a couple of hours, really. Yeah, it was only from, like, about 2.30 till 5, and that was, like, from nothing to having a baby. Mm. So it was, it was pretty quick. I think I was a little bit, like, shocked, like, oh, my God, <laughs> so it's here. So yeah, definitely. And, and did your husband or your partner get into the pool with you for the birth or was he out of the pool? No. I mean, we'd, we'd planned for my daughter to come in the pool with me. 
that's kind of what we thought would happen. And I don't know, he didn't, he wasn't that keen. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think maybe like all the bodily juices and stuff, he was just sort of not really sure that he wanted to do that. I think if I had have asked him to, he probably would have, but I really wasn't in the pool for very long. Like I probably only was in there for maybe half an hour and most of that was pushing. So he just kind of was like holding my hand and like holding me from behind. And my, my daughter was like at the business end watching everything, just loving it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. two years old which was kind of crazy <laughs> my placenta was birthed like we kind of just sat in there and the placenta was birthed within like 20 minutes maybe even less than that it was pretty quickly afterwards mm. it just came I, it was all physiological verb stage and how were those first few hours with him at home yeah it was it was beautiful um we it, we took it really slowly they we kept the like placenta attached for quite a long time like a few hours and so like I just like went and had a shower and the midwives helped me with that while my husband had skin to skin and they still had the placenta and then a couple of hours later we um cut the cord we just had took it all really slow which was really beautiful but I did notice pretty quickly after so I'd like kind of put him onto the breast a few times and um he had a good little suck and everything, but he would vomit afterwards and it was green. And the midwives looked at it and at first she was like, oh, it's just because he had mech in his waters. So that's why he's swallowed some of the water and he's just vomiting that up. And at first we're like, okay, yep, that makes, makes sense. Um, and then the midwives left. Like he didn't seem quite right to me. And I called my midwife back in the afternoon and I said, something doesn't feel right. He's vomiting and it's green. And she kind of assessed him and said, look, let's just, let's just um, like sleep on it basically. <laughs> and I think like from her perspective, she didn't want us to have to rush off to the hospital with no, for, for no reason. Like that wouldn't have really benefited anyone. So I kind of had picked up that something um, wasn't quite right fairly quickly, um, but we did just leave it and he stayed with us that night. But really early the next morning, I said, no, there's something wrong. He's He keeps vomiting green. He doesn't look like, like his colour wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. So he, yeah, he just. We just had a feeling. I just knew that there yeah. was something not quite right. Um, had the sorry, had the paediatrician given you kind of any markers to look for of when he needed to come in and be checked out, or was there any? Because I guess he'd passed the meconium, so you know the bowel could, wasn't completely obstructed. But yeah, did you have any idea of when when you might need to go in? No, we had not. We really didn't know, and because because he passed mec, uh, we thought it, that that meant it was okay too. I think. Um, not fully like consciously, but you know, if his bowels weren't working, would he have mech? Mm. Uh, and he did do like the tari poos as well. Yeah. Um, that babies do after birth. But I just knew that there was something not quite right. So we went to our closest hospital who and they knew that we were coming because we'd already organized with them. And so we just called and the 
the pediatrician there was really, really lovely and supportive. Um, and he gave us his personal number to call uh, to organise to see him because he'd, he's who'd we, who we had already seen. So they kind of took us into a room and then they checked him out and then they went and I guess did some sort of, I guess it must have been an ultrasound. I can't remember that clearly now. Yeah, so they did like some sort of scan or something and then we were just waiting in the room and I was breastfeeding him and then they walked into the room and they were like, you need to get him off the breast right now. His um, bowel is totally blocked and it just all went so quickly after that. Uh, and because he had been born at home, he was he had to go into a humidity crib because he would be dangerous for the other babies. <laughs> for, what, like, for what reason? Oh, because he was born at home. Okay, so they were worried that, that it might bring in germs or something. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah, like, okay. is that a joke? Like, so he had to go straight into a humidity crib so we couldn't hold him anymore. And um, this was just like our local hospital and being like it was a very, very rare and um, complicated issue, we were transferred to the children's hospital really, really quickly um, within a few hours. But we weren't allowed to hold him after that. So when, when he went in and he went into the NICU into like, there's like stages in the, the NICU and special care nursery. There's like when babies are really, really sick, they go into a room by themselves with, and they have a full-time nurse. Yeah. With one nurse. So he was in a room by himself with one nurse watching him constantly. Mm. Uh, and from that day, like I was like, I am not leaving him. <laughs> like there's no way uh, I will stay here as much as I can. Like I, I'm not going to leave my baby with random strangers. And were they, so were you then pumping to express milk to bring your milk in or? Yeah, I um, did. And was he being given formula or expressed milk? No, well, he had, he was nil to mouth, so he was only being drip fed. Yeah. He, okay. was, he wasn't, um, he couldn't digest anything. My understanding is it's like a sugar syrup or something, and it actually goes um, directly into the bloodstream. It's not uh, okay, the yeah. digestive system. So it keeps them alive, basically. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not. So I guess he couldn't have anything in his stomach that he no, would then have to digest and try and pass. No. Yeah. So it turned out that where his intestines had formed, there was an extra loop in the intestine that was actually blocking. Um, everything from going through so it wasn't going through properly at all just in the interest of time would you be able to just sort of um, briefly talk about how things went from there and, and what surgery was required and and the recovery for him yeah totally um, so he ended up going in and having a, a bowel resection at three days old and I mean it was pretty intense because we just didn't know what to expect. We thought that he would go into hospital and have surgery and be out fairly quickly afterwards, um, but that just wasn't the case. Like it was a really long process. Um, so he had the surgery at day three 
and afterwards um, he was on a ventilator for several days, so he wasn't breathing by himself um, and was drip fed. And so we didn't get to touch him or hold him um, from when he was taken into the NICU until I think it was like a week after his surgery. So we didn't get to hold him for that whole time. They wouldn't let us touch him. Um, the nurses told me that my presence was upsetting to him and kept telling us to go home. Oh it, was, it was really awful. And, um, like, my husband and I were doing shifts and sleeping in the chair in the NICU because they have no – they don't have beds for the mums to stay with the babies. I was distraught, honestly. Like, I'm like, this baby was in my womb for the last 10 months and I have nourished them and we need each other. We need to stay together. Like, that's how this biologically works and you're separating us. So I had to go home to sleep. Um we lived like at least half an hour away so there was we were just going back and forth I was hardly sleeping at all um and yeah I was pumping around the clock so I pumped every two hours and just stored up a whole ton of milk uh and then it wasn't until like it was maybe two weeks after his surgery that um that he was able to start trying to take any milk because mm. he was on like a really high dose of steroids and morphine and like a lot of and then there was like a little bit of a red, redness around um his site so he has like a big not a big scar but like probably two centimeter scar on his tummy from big. where Big for a little baby. Big for a little baby because I, they removed quite a substantial amount of intestine, um, like 10, 20 centimetres or something. Like it was a lot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I can't – I wish I could remember. But it was like I was like, oh, my gosh, is it okay to remove that much? Um, it was a lot. Um, and so, like, there was just so – like he was on all these different antibiotics and so many different medications that he had to be weaned off all of that before they would allow him to start taking anything from the mouth. Wow. And then um, when he was allowed to start having being fed by the mouth, were you able to start trying to breastfeed straight away or was that with a bottle? or No. So he, um, to begin with, was nasal fed but with express breast milk. Yeah. So I had to be very clear. Um, I personally didn't find the hospital, the children's hospital, to be that breastfeeding friendly. So... I had to constantly ask for access to breast pumps and they would take them away from me every single time after I had pumped. Um, so I'd have to ask every two hours, can I have a breast pump? Please? Yeah. And I was just like, are you joking? Um, and they have a milk room in the the NICU, but they actually call it the formula room I'm like, where all of the milk is stored. I was like, that really encourages breastfeeding. Great. Um, so mm -hmm. I had stored up like litres and litres and litres because it ended up being like two weeks or something of pumping uh, just two hours around the clock. Um, so I so to begin with, he was only supposed to be given like five mil of milk, so it had to start really, really slowly. But the nurse that we had 
when he had his first call, he had his first feed, sorry, he, um, they didn't read it properly and they decided to give him 25 mils of milk Whoa. and it caused a bowel obstruction because oh. he wasn't ready for it. And we, we were there telling them, no, that's not right, he's only supposed to have this much and they didn't listen to us. So it was really frustrating, honestly. Like we just felt like it was one step forwards and like 10 steps backwards with his recovery and a lot of it we felt was medical negligence like they just didn't listen (laughs) to us and didn't read things properly and yeah so it took a really long time it wasn't until about we like really slowly moved up um from the feeds but like after having the one where he's he caused a bowel obstruction he wasn't allowed to feed then again for like another two or three days so put everything way back again and then we really slowly built it up and we gave I was really against him having bottles because I was adamant that we were going to breastfeed but as time went on like it was just too hard to give so much milk through the nasal tube and they wanted to make sure that he was putting on a certain amount of weight and that he was taking a certain amount of milk and they were saying that they couldn't do that if he was breastfeeding because they can't tell how much he's taking, mm. which I don't know. I've heard different things about that, but um, so I wasn't allowed to breastfeed him. I had He had to be bottle-fed, but I made sure that it was all um, extra breast milk. Yeah. And then so he was in there for four weeks um, and – when he finally went on the breast like he was just a trooper like he just totally knew what to do and we had no issues um and as soon as he was like on the breast and feeding well I just said okay this is enough it's time for him to go home and um the the doctor that their main doctor that we'd had at the hospital was really not happy with us having had a home birth um they told us how irresponsible we were and how, like, didn't I know that that could have been, like, so terrible for our baby and all of this stuff. I'm like, you do realise that we'd had, like, been ticked off by the the paediatric surgeon at this hospital. Like, so they tried to get our midwives, like, details and everything because they wanted to report us and tried to make us go through, like, this parenting program to make sure that we knew how to look after a baby, even though we had a very healthy two-year-old. Um, but that doctor had left and gone on holidays and a new one came, and she was just like, why are you still here? <laughs> like, you should have gone home days ago if he's on the breast and, you know, he's putting on weight and everything's fine. So we were finally able to go home. <laughs> Like, it was a huge process and, like, super traumatic. He's still recovering from birth and, yeah, massive. Did your doula sort of provide support through through that process at all? Or? I mean, to be honest, not not as much as I, like, would have hoped. Um, yeah, we – there was – they tried, um, but I don't think that they really knew what to do with that. <laughs> mm. um, so, so it did feel kind of – a bit minimal, the support, especially while we were travelling back and forth to the hospital and all through that process. Um, but they did then uh, do some support after we went home 
And because we'd been in the hospital for so long, like my husband didn't get any time off work beyond that. And Uh even when our son was in hospital, my husband's trying to work remotely um, to get everything done because he didn't really have, he hadn't built up the leave time and everything because he'd only been in the job for like six months or something. I guess the last thing I would like to ask you if you want to share a little bit about is how you, yeah, what sort of prompted you to then go on and become a doula and, yeah, how that happened and where where your passion is. Um, I think, like, throughout my son's pregnancy and then afterwards, like, I just got really obsessed with birth. And, like, after, like, having had the hospital experience that, like, you know, it wasn't a bad hospital experience. I had a vaginal birth. You know, I was happy with that. It was quick and there were lots of good things about it. But there were also things that I really just wasn't really that happy with. And then to go in and have this amazing home birth, like, it was so peaceful and beautiful and, like, it was something to hold on to for when, like, the shit hit the fan and he went into the hospital. Like, having that amazing, like, beautiful, slow, peaceful birth was really just, like, was what kept me going in a weird way, like, holding on to that memory. And it was, like, the, like, best experience of my life, to be honest with you. It was so empowering and I just felt like I was in my power and did, you know, I did it in my own way, in my own terms, and that was so worthwhile for me. So, you know, it's hurtful when people, like, criticised later on, like, oh, didn't you know that you were going to harm your baby by doing this? Because I actually feel like he got the best start to life by having the birth that he had and being able to be with us for one day and be held and be loved, all of that I think actually was really beneficial for all of us um, and for him. But I just got really obsessed with birth and started doing even more research into it and, like, I can't possibly only do this, like, this can't be it. Like, I need to do, I need to have more babies. I need to be around this more. So it took me a long time because I had quite severe postnatal depression and um, PTSD from our experience in the hospital and all the things around that. So it took me like a good year to start being okay. And after that, I just thought, no, I really want to start pursuing this and supporting people and working with women. And I want to see people, you know, birthing in their power and really educated and understand the physiological the physiology of birth and, you know, because it's not spoken about a lot. Um, Before I had kids, I really had no idea how my body worked or what it all meant. And um, so it's just been, yeah, really empowering to learn about that and um, teach myself but also for the benefit of others and, you know, hopefully one day um, I'll have more kids and, and, yeah. So. Beautiful. And yeah. um, and you're practising out of Melbourne now as a doula? Yeah, so because we homeschool the kids, it's not something I've been doing a lot. Um, I had planned to kind of launch a business um, at the start of this year, but then this year has been freaking nuts. That hasn't happened. I did support a few people um, remotely last year, so mostly with like doing birth plans and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I'd really love to do that more, but Uh, We also um, have taken like a good 
like year um, for consciously conceiving a third baby. So that's been a huge part of my um, process and focus um, for the last about a year as well. So have been um, also supporting other women through that process, uh, through a group online, and I run heaps of homeschooling groups and meetups and stuff like that. So that's been more my focus. Um, But I'm hoping by maybe next year I'll be um, supporting more women in real life. Yeah, amazing. We'll have to get you back on if you have any more babies yeah. to share their stories as well. But, yeah, thank you so much for for sharing today and, yeah, I look forward to getting this story out to everybody. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for listening today to Laura sharing her story. It was such a pleasure to chat to her. You can find me on Instagram at keepbirthwild.podcast if you'd like to see some photos from Laura's beautiful home birth. Um, and you can also follow Laura on Instagram at thiswildmama with a full stop in between each word. And, yeah, I hope to have you join me again next week.